Good morning. Welcome to Hope. I'm Ben. I'm one of the pastors here. So good to be gathered with you this morning. We are uh, traveling through Rome this summer, not literally, but uh, through the letter that the Apostle Paul sent to the early church in Rome. He wrote this letter from Corinth in Greece, and, and he wrote it with this hope that, that he would someday travel soon to Rome with the good news of Jesus, and then he would move on to Spain and, and continue to spread the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ crucified and risen to all the world. And this letter, if you read it, and I would encourage you to, it's really dense. There's a lot going on here. It's filled with lots of of different things that Paul wanted the church in Rome to know about. He writes about grace, about faith. He writes about big words like righteousness, about the Holy Spirit, about sin, all these big things that I think we have to wrestle with, not only up here in our heads, but also here in our hearts. And today we're going to wrestle with something else that the Apostle Paul writes about in that letter. And it's something that you and I face over and over and over again in this life, and that's suffering. Friedrich Nietzsche was a German philosopher. He wasn't a religious man. There's very little that I would agree with that he wrote, but this. He wrote, to live is to suffer. Meaning that that to be alive is to face suffering in this life. We can't avoid it. None of us can. You can't. I can't. To live is to suffer. That's true. But as people of faith, as people who have come to know Jesus, to live is so much more than that. Let's pray as we begin. Show us today, Lord, by your word, who you are and who we are in you. In Jesus' name, amen. There's a man named Steve Callahan whose life was falling apart. He was suffering from depression and sadness and grief following a messy divorce. And and so he escaped from that the only way that he knew how. Since he was a, a very young Boy, he loved boats and he loved the sea and so he built a boat and he set sail out on the sea and it was about a week out on the water something happened, this huge uh, whale or, or maybe it was a shark, he wasn't sure, crashed into his boat and, and he started taking on water and so Steve had to go and grab everything that he could. He had this inflatable life raft that he had brought along and he threw everything that he could grab into that raft and he jumped on and there he floated fishing and collecting water for days that turned into weeks that turned into months. And, and as he lay there, he felt like a failure on this raft, a failure as a husband, a failure in his work, a failure even at this thing that he loved, being a sailor. And his body was racked with all sorts of pain, with, with saltwater sores, with sunburn, with hunger, with thirst. He was just hanging on to life by a thread. He was desperate, and he was hopeless, so much so that he almost gave up. And it was on his 75th day out at sea. The sun was sinking down behind the horizon, and and, and it was in the depth of, of the darkness of that 75th night that Steve saw something that he had not seen in days. He saw lights in the night. 
And those lights gave him something that he hadn't felt in weeks. Something welled up inside of him. Hope. And the light gave him just enough strength to stay alive for just a few more hours. Those lights that he had seen, they were a fishing boat. And the next morning, on the 76th day of being in an inflatable life raft at sea, suffering out there, Steve was rescued. And I suppose that we would call the moment that he was pulled from that life raft, that, that we would call that his moment of rescue, the, the cheering and the smiles as finally there was some solid ground beneath him. But I think that his rescue actually came before. It came when he saw the light, when the present and the future sort of crashed together to become hope a hope that pulled him out of the dark reality of death towards life. And that's how it is for us as people of faith. Our moment of rescue, it comes when, when the darkness of our suffering meets the, the future of God's glory, when they crash together in the cross of Jesus Christ and this hope pulls us forward in life. And you and I, we need that rescue, we really do, because the darkness of suffering is all around us. If you look at our world, suffering is everywhere. Just the other day, I, I saw a picture of an elderly woman standing with a few groceries in front of a building uh, that had been reduced to a pile of rubble and ash uh, from bombing in Kiev in the Ukraine. I read the other day that, that the second leading cause of death in children ages 10 to 14 in this country is suicide. That is staggering. And I can't imagine the impact on families and communities and the depth of pain. I heard the other day as I was walking down the hallway in the hospital, I heard the sound of someone crying. The sound of, of pain, of life and of death just echoing through the hallways. There is so much suffering in this life. And even though the ocean is far away from us here in Fargo, North Dakota, we all find ourselves floating out in that sea of suffering at some point in our lives. It's not a somewhere else a statistic. You know it in your life. The waves of, of grief, they wash over us as we say goodbye to someone we love and the pain seems to hang on tight, the winds of, of a diagnosis, big words like cancer or, or chronic pain or dementia, they throw us off course and they leak into every part of our lives, the cold, dark, lonely night of, of divorce, of depression, of worry, of anxiety, it grows around us. We float through all sorts of unknowns in this life of, of aging or caring for aging parents or, or some of us float through jobs that, that tear away at our spirits or, or we float through a retirement that, that wasn't what we had dreamed or hoped or expected. The seasons of life, seasons of suffering can start to overwhelm us. And the thing is this, anytime I've ever had those seasons in my life, and I have, it seems like it's been all-consuming, like it's the only thing that you see, like a fog rolls in around you, and the suffering is all that's there. Maybe you felt that way too. 
maybe feel it now. And that's where this letter, written 2,000 years ago by a man that we've never met to a people that lived halfway across the world from us, has something to say about the presence of God and the promises of Jesus, about how our moment of rescue in that suffering comes when the darkness of our suffering meets the hope of God's glory in the cross. By the time we get to the eighth chapter of Romans, which is where we are today, the Apostle Paul, he's covered quite a bit. He, he, he's talked about a lot, but at the core, it's all about this message of hope and freedom and new life that comes from faith in Jesus Christ, this promise that Jesus lived and died for sinners like you and me, that he has made this claim upon our lives that the, the death and the sin and the decay of this world, they don't have the final word. Those realities aren't the ultimate realities in this life because in Jesus, God, has claimed a victory over them, that the realities that that we are bound by in this world, by our sin, our failures, uh, by the realities of, of our aging earthly bodies, by the pain of life, God has rescued this world through the death and the resurrection of Jesus. The cross is this place where the hard realities of life crash into the future that God holds for us. And it's in chapter eight that Paul uh, turns directly to to suffering, to this question that's been with human beings uh, since the very beginning. Where does God fit into all of this present suffering of this world? Is he the cause? Is he just watching our pain? Does he care? And the answer that Paul has to those questions is really interesting. He uses this metaphor. He compares the pain of this world to labor pain, that we're waiting here in this pain of life, this groaning of suffering. But it's not the final destination, because you see, labor pain is different than other pain, because it leads somewhere. I will say that I am not qualified to talk about birth, but I've seen it the pain of it and the joy that can come as you look at a new life right there in front of you. And in part, I think that it's the hope of that joyous moment that brings you through the pain. The world is groaning in the pains of childbirth, Paul says. Even in the pain of life, God is taking us somewhere. God's going to bring us through that thing that's in front of us to somewhere, to his redemption, to his eternity, to his glory, and to his kingdom. Let me say this in another way. God created this world. He set it up in a way that love was a possibility. And to have love, you have to have the ability to choose. And to have the ability to choose means that you have the possibility of suffering, that that's just the way it goes. Choice means consequence and humans chose wrong right from the beginning they chose to disobey God and sin and suffering they took over and through all of history humans have dealt with the reality of that pain you've dealt with it I've dealt with it we all have and God's answer to that moment to that choice made from the beginning was not to run from it not to avoid it but to enter in and to suffer himself to send his son to die on a cross. And from that, from his own pain, 
and suffering. He rescues us from the grip of this world. That's our future. By faith comes this, this promise that we'll have eternal life with him. It's, it's a new creation, a heaven without mourning, without crying, without pain, without tears, and without suffering. And we wait for that day of salvation, but it's not just for the future because of the promises of the cross, the promise that God suffers with us. And because of that, even our suffering in this life can be redeemed. He promises to be with us. And his promise is the light that we see from our sinking raft out in the ocean. It's the thing that gives us hope, even in the midst of pain. It's what spurs us, spurs us on to live in a world that seems so dark. And his presence is the thing that will get us there. It's the thing that will get us through. Our reading finishes today with these words, important words. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. What a promise to cling to. When the fog of suffering is all around us, God is there working for good, moving us toward uh, faith, moving us forward, moving us to a life with him. It's what God has always done. When Daniel suffered a long, lonely night in the lion's den, God was there and morning came. When the people of Israel wandered in the wilderness, God fed them with the bread of life from heaven. And when we were still sinners, God died. Jesus died for us. And in the darkness of your life, he will come to you. Whatever uh, suffering is for you right now, and I would bet that there's some in your life, you might not see very clearly. You might not know what to do, where to go, what to say. You might not even know how to pray, but God promises to move in your pain, not to end your suffering with the snap of his fingers, but to grab onto your hand and to walk you forward towards healing and hope and life, uh, towards the future that he promises to all who believe. And, And there will be glimpses of his kingdom while we wait for that future glory, the one that we can't fully see yet. There will be glimpses that give us hope and hope will teach us how to face the day. Years ago for our first anniversary, my wife and I decided that we were gonna run a half marathon. She loves running and I love her, so we did it. And we trained and the race day came and I'll tell you, it was a tough course. And it was a tough morning, it was a hot day, it was all uphill, it was raining, it was snowing, it was lightning, there was a tornado, all of that. Okay, some of that may be exaggerated. But whatever it was, I couldn't keep pace with her that morning with my wife. And so I told her, uh, well, you can keep running ahead. And she just left me in the dust. And so I struggled on, but I got a rhythm and I kept on going. And I remember at some point, after what seemed like hours, it was probably minutes, but it seemed like hours, someone from the sidelines uh, who was cheering people on said, "Uh, you're almost there. Which, by the way, if someone ever says that to you during a race, you aren't almost there. (laughs) But he said it, and it was just enough to make me pick up the pace and finish. 
it was kind of like the light that gave Steve Callahan enough hope to go on. That's what Jesus does for us in the cross. There's a, a thinker and a pastor, uh, Tom Wright, who, who talks about how Jesus comes to us as signposts in the fog, a signpost uh, there in the fog, a, a clear direction and a bit of hope in a murky world. And he is. He's hope enough to keep us moving. I heard on the radio the other day the, the story of a, a couple who faced one of life's deep challenges. The wife was diagnosed with dementia and it came on quick and it progressed quick and it produced a lot of suffering for both of them. For, for her, it was the fear of losing herself uh, and the things that were dear in her life, her family, her husband. For him, it was the grief of, of watching her slowly decline and it was also the burden that comes when we care for others. It was uh, towards the end that, that she struggled to know him, but he was able to keep her at home and, and bring help in to make that a possibility, to help care for her. And it was right there in the midst of that pain that God's promise came to them. It was there in the groaning of life that it broke through like a song, literally came to them as a song. The two would watch church services and they would listen to the old hymns that they loved their whole life. And the wife could no longer do very much. She couldn't even hold a conversation anymore. But when those hymns came on, she would sing every single word. And if you've ever seen that before, it's this great mystery, this beautiful thing. They would sit and they would sing together. And I imagine it was words like this. Strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. And there it was, in their present suffering, by the power of the cross of Christ, it was met with the future glory of God. And it was enough. We know that to live is to suffer. We don't need a philosopher to tell us that. You know it. I know it, but there's something more for us to know today, and it's this, that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. God is laboring. The cross of Jesus Christ, he's bringing a new creation into this world and into your life. Know that today. Let that be your signpost. Let it be the light of hope in whatever darkness you face. Amen. Father in heaven, we thank you for your mercy and for your great love. We thank you that you didn't leave us in places of suffering, but that your hope spurs us on day after day. Teach us, Lord, to trust in you in the midst of everything we face. In the name of Jesus, who is our Savior and Lord. Amen.